Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering with honors. With special guest, Ross Wood. Stuart, we may have done 10 episodes of Fraser's Edge so far. Yeah. But we must complete the full 63 if we ever hope to graduate with, with honors. honors. Oh, I, knew. Oh. I knew it was coming. Somebody was going to use I that. figured we just had to get it out of the way yeah. quick. Just yeah. <laughs> to like make the joke now. Yeah. I was like, am I going to be the one who uses it? Or someone's going to use it. I'm like, we're going to be sitting in anticipation. No one's going to be able to like focus on the movie because everyone's waiting for the guy who's going to make the joke. Well, and like they do it, uh, uh, they do it like at least like three times in um, the movie. Yeah. So I feel like we got at least like three uses of it. Yes. More or yeah. less. So. So we're one down. We have two to go. Yeah. One was without honors though. Yes. So I don't know if that one counts. Well, we we then just have to express that we're without honors. Right. Oh, if yeah. someone says something that I strongly disagree with, I'm just going to tell you you are without honors. You are you are just summa cum laude at that yes. point. Yes. Okay. Basic. Yeah. Basic cum laude. Yeah. Just summa, no then magna, then <laughs> cum laude, no then no cum laude. No laude. What if they did that at universities where like someone's up there and they're like, he graduates without cum laude. They yeah. Oh, if the they point. actually stated yeah. like, yeah. Jeff Sweeney, no cum laude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My gosh. Have you guys heard of like the debate that's going around about uh, removing the valedictorian title in high schools? I had actually recently heard about that um it's been a while and i i didn't like fully get into it but yeah i did see an article about it and i was curious about it yeah yeah i also like kind of just recently got into it as well but I, this movie reminded me of that about that just that whole like debate topic have you heard of that jeff no yeah it's basically just like I, I don't think they do they don't have valedictorians at least where i went like we didn't have valedictorian in college it was always a high school thing but i don't know like did any of you guys have like that title in my college? school did but i have no idea what happened to him uh you know high school was a, a thing uh in my school we did uh like a um it wasn't like a valedictorian because it was an art art school so it was mm -hmm. like best in show portfolio review oh. where you just basically showed your portfolio to a bunch of different uh like one alum and just like business prospects and stuff who can people who could hire you afterwards yeah but that was about it it's a little different though because they don't really give a shit or i don't know if we can swear on this yeah we can oh, sweet. <laughs> yes, I, don't, I don't know if we can like yeah Fuck yeah uh, we can swear <laughs> uh, but they didn't really give a shit if yeah. we uh, about our grades or anything yeah. it was just all about the body of work and how they interpreted it when they saw it i feel like that's more uh, worthy of that title than valedictorian is in a way i think so too yeah I think, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, Jeff, the whole debate about that is basically just like the idea that like students, it, the valedictorian title breeds the culture in high. Incentivizes and, yeah. grades instead of accomplishment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Is that the idea? That's the idea. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, I think, would be in support of getting rid of the valedictorian system. Exactly. Because this movie is a celebration of accomplishments. Yeah. Not grades. Right. Yeah. Especially, yeah, at the end, he he definitely swaps his sort of thinking. Yes. Which is which was kind of a, a nice sort of... Now, I had issues with the end. Like, I actually really enjoyed this movie. 
but the ending I did have issues with. Interesting. Um, but one thing I thought that this movie was genius about was his thesis about like how the interconnectivity of like the internet before yeah. the internet was a thing. Right. He does like, at one point say, um, interactive cable will save us yeah <laughs> and like it will bring more democracy and to a certain extent it has brought more democracy more people have a voice although it's not to say that manip like there isn't like some sort of manipulation in other things yeah uh like people what information gets out there but yeah. people do have more of a voice and i was like that's Pretty profound. Yeah. Back in 1994. A Brendan you know? Fraser Joe yeah. Pesci movie. Yeah. <laughs> this movie does have a lot of like really profound, like philosophical. This is like, kind of a statement. treatise on what the inter on their hopes for the internet. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hopes that in some respects have been you know sown and some that have been dashed mm -hmm. by absolute chaos. Jeff, when you were watching this movie, did you think like, oh my god, this is such a Stuart Elmore film? Well, yes, it's set at a school. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got issues with fathers and sons. Yes. <laughs> That's I, like I know the... Stuart movie is like... I brought you I brought you to see Top Gun because I knew it would be a Stuart movie. It is a Stuart and movie. He was literally sitting in the seat saluting. <laughs> 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 oh, so my wait, God. you have a thing. What, are you a big Goodwill hunting fan? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> Dead was, Poet Society. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon owe Brendan Fraser some money. Yeah. Because like, there is a lot of similarities, actually. I mean, there was a better pedigree with you know Gus Van Zandt and everything on yeah. Goodwill Hunting. But I was like, mm, there's actually, I know that they work together on school ties and they yeah. were doing some yeah. stuff, but you know, Robin Williams was like the scruffy guy, yeah. but, and, but he was the, you know, basic whatever. And then the, the intelligent guy was, uh, Matt Damon's character yeah. where this kind of switches like the intelligent guy you don't expect is, you know, the, the older homeless scruffy homeless guy, yeah. which was interesting. Yeah. And I think there's been other movies that have like sort of either i don't know if it came before or after but there have been other movies about that where it's like oh like I, we got a homeless guy in our life now what do we yeah, do yeah and then it's a learning lessons movie about oh well there are people too and mm -hmm. it's sort of how i mean i feel like this movie like does the most profoundness with that whole topic mm -hmm. uh, but it goes a step because like when this movie started i was like oh i've seen this i've seen this pitch before yes and like yes the basic pitch of you know, college students learn that a homeless person is a real human. Yeah. I mean, we went to film school. Mm -hmm. Like, that every single freshman year film class, that idea is pitched. Yeah. And every single time, the teacher's like, for the love of God, don't do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, you're not going to handle it with grace and consistency. Yeah. No. It, grace, the particular term, yes. because it's always like some, like, ignorant message that is completely not the point of what they should be making it's like oh yeah like homeless people are people too and then they continue going on yeah. with like the regular capitalist this, ways this movie and... tries to basically go with the idea of homeless people lived lives yes yeah. yes although in this movie what they did do well was that the one character i cannot remember his name um the one that's does not like joe pesci um, oh I know who you're talking about. Um, not Monty. Not no, Patrick not. Dempsey. Jeff. Jeff? Yeah, his name's Jeff. Oh, how did I forget that? <laughs> I don't know. But Jeff, he 
uh, he does acknowledge, I think, I believe it was him, maybe it was Brendan Fraser, who said, you know, most homeless people are, you know, deal with schizophrenia. And mm -hmm. so they did, you know, touch on what does lead to a lot of homelessness. And, but while also saying, you know, not all of them, even though maybe a majority yeah, um, are like that, not necessarily all of them. And yeah. so don't judge and blah, blah, blah. The same sort of yeah. story we've seen. There's a before. million and a half different paths that lead someone to become homeless and those lives deserve to be explored and, you know, talked about as much as yeah. those who have success. Sure. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was oh. really interesting. There's some interesting things, but I think really the saving grace of the homeless person and why it was great is, is Pesci. Joe Pesci. Oh my it's gosh. Pesci. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Oh my, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to have the spaghetti and the Before we dive into the Pesci of it all, yes. we mentioned school ties. Yes. And that is a good segue into our Fraser Context Corner of the Week. Yes. Which is ostensibly, you know, he does School Ties, which is another movie about hit Brendan Fraser in school and yeah. that he's in high school and this he's in college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's essentially, this is the movie that he follows up school ties with spiritual sequel, mm -hmm. like spiritual maybe. sequel, but also after school ties, the movies that we've talked about were 20 bucks, younger and younger son-in-law. Like those aren't in one of them. He's just a cameo and two of them didn't really exist. Yeah. Like, 20 bucks and younger and younger were like, he has prominent roles in those movies. It's, those are more or less paycheck roles. Well, even if they're not, they're like super small indies that nobody saw. Yeah. So in the popular consciousness, this is his follow-up to School Ties. Mm. And, you know, we talked about with School Ties, that's the movie he really wanted to pop off instead of Encino Man. And then right. Encino Man's the one that became a success. Yeah. And we talked about this, I think, well... I don't know if it was the last episode, but because next week we're going to talk about airheads. Yes. And I think this was something that, you know, as we're going through this uh, filmography is that he is kind of taking a pattern, a yeah. turn. One for them, one for me. One for them, one for me thing here. Mm -hmm. and that was like, you know, School Ties and Encino Man, which I know they released wise were yeah. flipped backwards. But then, yeah, then he does like 20 bucks, which is more or less a drama. Yeah. Um, and then Younger, Younger, if which is... we only take the Chris Lloyd section. Well, the it's Chris the best Lloyd. movie of the year. Ross, oh. if you've not seen uh, 20 Bucks, just watch the Steve Buscemi, Christopher Lloyd segment of it. It's okay. anthology like style, so it's you, know, okay. you can just like pick random pieces of it. But and then younger and younger, which is a bamboozled comedy, a wild movie where oh. Donald Sutherland plays an organ and summons the spirit of his dead wife. Yes, Ooh. that's um. that's a weird one. Uh, and then this movie, yes. And so I feel well, like son-in-law as well, but he's just a cameo, in right? It. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there definitely is like a pittered pattern yeah. of like comedy drama, comedy drama, and this is his turn to do a comedy or yeah, a drama. drama. Yes, and this is this is the the path he's trying to put himself on, but he's still taking the comedy roles because you know, that gets people out to mm -hmm. see him. Yeah, I think that he, it's again like he's an interesting just person uh, in particular because he doesn't have. Like, he's kind of a leading man. He's got... He's handsome, but not, like, movie star handsome. Yeah, he's not, like, the most attractive. Yeah, and he's... Uh, but he understands, like, how to be funny, and he understands also how to be serious, and he can, you know, do both. Like, next week you guys are doing... Uh, or the next episode you guys are doing uh, Airheads, which... Yeah. 
geez, what a great movie. <laughs> I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah. Oh it's my ridiculous. Um, and it's, it's so funny because I looked at like, I look at the, the Rotten Tomatoes and stuff beforehand. Yeah. And I, you know, I see what the like ratings a lot of these movies were getting and about his sort of performances. And I just think people didn't get it yeah. then. I don't yeah. think that they like were able because they were so used to like it has to be a movie. So yeah. It's got to be Brad Pitt. It's got to be Tom Cruise, you know. Or if it's like super dramatic, you know, I'm gonna need some Meryl Streep in there. I'm gonna need some Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. I'm gonna need somebody who's got some weight. And he was like this in between, like where he was funny, he was dramatic, but like he wasn't like the top of any yeah. particular thing. Yeah. Something we've talked about that separates him, especially from Travolta, is that he has a he's very egoless when it comes to the yeah. roles he picks yeah. and the performances he gives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that Travolta was always coming in a movie and he's giving a Travolta performance sure. in this movie. Yeah. Fraser is willing to give himself as an artist to the creative of the movie mm-hmm. and give what they need and be sure. and like fulfill his role in the movie. Yeah. And like his role in this movie isn't like it's not like he's like, you know, rock in the house or anything Mm -hmm. he's willing to show up and be like pesci is like the draw of this movie Mm -hmm. my character still has to go through an arc i will do exactly what this movie needs of me yeah and i think there's a lot of a lot to be and it balances and and it shows i feel like it shows in the movie because it's very balanced in that regard we know who is our main draw but we also know who's going to have like the finishing turn he's not he's not he doesn't have an ego big enough where he feels like he needs to be the draw of a movie. Yeah. He's willing to let something else be the draw and just play his supporting role. Yeah. Yeah. I think though he, funny enough, again, watching it uh, last night, he was, I don't think other people could have elevated yeah. the, the film, the entire film, the way he elevated yes. it. Yes. Because yeah, he was a straight man and he, you know, and he was the one going through uh, the biggest arc and and you know we followed his story the most but we we obviously did that with Pesci as well yeah and Jeff to a smaller extent but he did it in such a way that was it elevated the material like it's a very 1990s you could put this movie next to you could do a double feature with this and like while you were sleeping yeah it's yeah. a 1990s movie it looks very nice oh, yeah. yeah yeah however like I feel like if I watch the two of those movies back to back, and I watch while you were sleeping, it's part of the Christmas ritual. Yeah. <laughs> it actually, there's like so many Batman's Returns, great Christmas movie. Uh, tremendous oh Christmas movie. Uh, the fact that people, people talk about Die Hard Christmas movie, talk about Batman Returns. Batman Christmas Returns. Movie. Oh my God. I could watch every Christmas. It's amazing. It's, yeah. So, the but like, not to go off best on Best Batman movie? <laughs> oh, it's my favorite Keaton one for sure. But I think it's. It, for me, it's just below the Dark Knight. Dark Knight, it, like that's the thing where I'm like, every time I watch Batman Returns or the Dark Knight, I'm like, well, this is the best Batman movie, and then I'm like, well, is it though? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's those sequels. They both yeah. the yeah. sequels. They like just Robert Pattinson has big shoes to fill for his Batman too. Yeah, oh, yeah, because part two one was interesting in tone. Oh, sorry, thank oh, you. Okay. One was interesting in tone. Yeah, uh, for Robert Pattinson's, yeah. but. Uh, I think it, and it built 
a, a, an interesting yeah. world, but there's more to go on. With yes, this. but if, if a, a tan- the Batman too <laughs> uh, is not the best. A, a tangent I wanted to uh, pick up from was Ross. Something We're that like you mid-tangent. said. We're like mid tangent. It's like, well, we got to <laughs> pick up this other tangent. I want to pick up another tangent, Brendan Fraser related tangent, but it's something that you said, Ross, where it's like he really d- divines that fine line of comedy and drama very well that a mm-hmm. lot of people didn't get early in the '90s, and. It's a little bit early to be mentioning this now, but something that you know I'm, I've been keeping close attention on is we're getting closer and closer to George of the Jungle, the mummy stage, yes. where he transitions from comedy, mostly comedy, somewhat drama, to full-blown action star. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's a great thing for him. It's Well, he goes full-blown action star, comedy... Mm-hmm. With like rom com lead in the middle. Yes, yeah. but it's that action star with that rom com in the middle yeah. that is kind of part of his death. Yeah, because it's th- it's that phase that pretty much when he when people talk look re- look at it at all and like Brendan Fraser's like sort of downfall from fame. I mean, there's a lot of things that went into it, but mm-hmm. one of the elements, uh, as big or little as it part of it as it played, was how like. Well, once he can't do action anymore, yeah. Well, because no one wants to put him in a drama. By the time he it was Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, he mm-hmm. said like he was basically like Broken. a shell mm-hmm. because he done all his stunts on his own in the earlier movies. Mm-hmm. He was doing all these bigger action sequences, and so when it got to the part where he's like still not like old at all, like he's still mm-hmm. like young forties at yeah. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Yeah, but because of, he took so much abuse in those earlier movies, he's like broken yeah and so yeah that's kind of a, something that i always keep eyes on as we're going forward in the fraser yeah. thing is it's gonna sound like by George the jungle it's like look at this guy he did it but it's it's not like the best trajectory for him and well like, i think that that those are there's a lot of extenuating circumstances post absolutely that that hurt him i think in terms of what we love him now for yeah it's the it was the perfect trajectory for him and then things got out of hand as a result yeah we'll talk more as like yeah, as, as the, the series, as the series continues but it was just something that you, you were wanted saying, to Russ. lay the groundwork lay yeah. the groundwork for we're talking about right now about his drama comedy split but knowing that coming the the next train station we're getting closer towards right now is his action star George movie star movie, movie star is movie star yeah. period which is I think coming we towards can us. I think we should just it's just, just the movie star period yeah it's gonna be like action comedy no he's just doing movie star roles because yeah. there's a fine line between yeah. a performance and a movie star role mm-hmm. True. and movie star and he gets movie star roles yeah and well the thing was I mean George of the Jungle he was you know obviously ripped and yeah uh, you know he brought a, a comedy to it that nobody like a, a sense of humor that nobody else could I think do besides him but the mummy was just like it was he was it wasn't a, a critically a, a, a well-loved movie um, again where I think critics just I don't know what they're thinking sometimes critics have as many biases as you know just anybody else they've got their own shit going on but the mummy is a great movie oh it's subjectively oh yeah yeah I mean you go in you have a great time it's fun uh, rewatchable yeah totally and the effects hold up surprisingly yeah. Maybe not so much on the sequel. Even at the time, I didn't think that, you know, the Scorpion King looked great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Rock. Definitely yeah. Even did at not. the time, I was just like, 
Jesus, that this this is what they think that like yeah. looks good. I was like, oh yeah. Uh, but um, the first one is great. But he's like, I think part of his downfall, which there's a lot of, that could go into it, um, and can be discussed. But like, one, the mummy, crazy handsome. Yeah, like he's got the sort of handsomeness. Like it's perfect. The hair is perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the groundwork right now and just say I think the Mummy is the hottest movie ever made. Oh yeah, I mean, it's I up mean, there. it's all hot people in mm-hmm. a hot environment kissing in the middle of a desert. Yeah, it's, it's very there. hot. It's the hottest movie ever made. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, everything about it. But he's got the charm. The, he's got like what he's got. I I, I dare say more charm than. Indiana Jones mm-hmm. um, and he's quick and he's handsome and he's fun and he's not like he, he was he just encompassed all of that thing and I think part of his downfall was literally you know part of it was his looks going um, his hair going yeah. um, that was part of it but I know that there's more there's that, a lot of elements yeah there it. was a lot of elements but he was just like I mean that was it right with the mummy the first one come on mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. I mean the critics who, who give it any negative review literally get out of here well they just weren't they didn't see it through the correct lens like yeah. I feel like each movie you can't put them all together and and, and review them all as the same because they're not all like yeah. some are made for this and some are made for that. You got to look at a movie through the object of what it's intended to do yeah. and if it succeeds at that intention. And yeah. I think that's a perfect perfect segue into with honors. Oh, because <laughs> I think because I think this is a movie that can easily easily be paired up like what you were saying Ross with a sliver of like so many like you know copy yeah. paste stamp release 90s movies. But if you actually take the time to watch it, like it's successful in its goal, I feel like. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, so, like, I I enjoyed this movie. I liked it. I I, I would say like there was a there was, act two dragged a little bit for me. Like I was kind of like, okay, like you know, let's, let's see what well, what's going on. But you know, by the time we were getting more into um, uh, Sunny sunny's life yes um and new year for sunny yeah more into sunny's life and more into monty's experience with sunny um that i felt like that you know brought a lot more than just this oh thank you siri uh (laughs) that brought a lot more than just the standard oh homeless people are people too it's kind of going back to what you said jeff yeah it's that homeless people lived lives yes before Mm -hmm. this and so maybe they're good maybe they're bad but they lived a life Mm -hmm. yeah so So <laughs> that was perfect, Jeff. Do you uh, have any pretext to this movie? I do history? actually, because the the director of this movie, um, I just want to talk about him really quick and how this movie basically got off the ground. Yeah. So the director of this movie is Alex Kesheshian. Okay. Um, Are you sure about that? I am a hundred percent sure about that. And so Alex Kesheshian is a mu- he's a music video director. Mm-hmm. Gets into the industry doing that, and. Um, Someone sees one of his music videos, and her name is Madonna. Oh. And she's immediately like, this guy's got the goods. So she hires him to direct her um, concert documentary film, mm-hmm. um, Truth or, Madonna, Truth or Dare, which becomes the highest grossing documentary of all time when it comes out in okay. wow. uh, 92, I believe. Um, it's beaten 10 years later by um, Bowling for Columbine. Mm-hmm. That becomes the highest grossing documentary afterward. 
But for a 10-year period, this is the highest grossing documentary. And so he directed it, and so he kind of gets the Hollywood, the blank check treatment. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you made a very successful documentary. We're going to let you make a movie now. Pick your movie. And this is the uh, the script that he settles on. Uh, it's written by William Master Simone, who uh, hadn't, hasn't really done anything else of major note aside from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the script he kind of gets attracted to. Madonna signs on to write a song for the movie and to assist with the production. Mm-hmm. She gets nominated for a Golden Globe later for the song that plays over the end credits. Mm. Um, but, you know, with Madonna's help, this movie gets right off the ground. Alec gets the ability to make it the way he wants. And so when he goes to casting the movie, he gets Joe Pesci in on it. He gets Fraser in on it. And then he gets the rest of the, uh, the rest of the gang yeah. in on it. Cause they're, they're like, they're all, they all play their roles in this movie, but it's the, the Pesci Fraser dynamic that mm-hmm. cause Shishian disrespect is able to, to get. Dempsey. God damn. The hair he had in that movie. Oh, he does oh, have, yeah. Quite He's always had the hair, though. The locks. I mean, Dr. McDreamy. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that's funny is after this, Kaseshian only directs two more movies. And then is back to music videos after he, that, right? Well, he goes right back to music videos after this movie. Then he makes an indie called Love and Other Disasters in 2006. Okay. Then he goes back to commercials. There's like a bunch of Toyota commercials. Makes one more movie in 2011 called W.E., uh, which he co-writes with, with Madonna. Madonna. I know that, yeah. And then he doesn't do anything else. And this year, he came out with a Selena Gomez documentary. Oh. But like, it's all music videos and commercials in between. What game? It's is a very he interesting career at? path that he's on. That like, this is his one Hollywood movie. Yeah. He does documentaries and two indies, but this is his one Hollywood movie. Well, you can make a lot more money for sure in like yeah, just in the living commercial the world. commercial world and in doing like people think that you know, film directors are just like. Mm-hmm, making yeah. so much money but unless you're Commercial Spielberg yeah money. unless you're Spielberg or, or somebody like that yeah. who also is producing and you know they royalties demand. are still coming in from yeah. your 1975 classics it, re- exactly. it reminds me a lot of Shaney Gabble from a love song for Bobby Long i will just quickly say the reason Kasishian's attracted to this movie is because he also went to harvard and now we may continue with your story no that was it just shaney gabble who had only done one movie uh beforehand um anthem 1997 and then contracted to do a love song for bobby long very good so that was it that was all okay very good nothing else after that very good no movie since she quit directing after that, evidently. Yes. Because um, she in two movies since, but this is his only Hollywood. But still going, yeah. Yeah. I think he probably, what I I kind of get from this movie is that I don't know how much control he had. Because if you look at like his, like what he's done in terms of music videos yeah. and all, this is a very Hollywood movie for yes. that time period. Yeah. You know, it's not... It fits, checks all the boxes yeah. in terms of how it's shot and designed and whatnot. It's not like Spike Lee who who put his own spin on it and yeah. had probably a little bit more control of something. And that's why, you know, his movie, his first movie being John Malkovich was like, it's so well regarded. Whereas this one's a little bit, you know, it's forgotten for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody... <clears throat> Nobody thinks of with honors. I remember watching it the first time. I was on a TWA uh, plane um, back whenever they still 
played the big movies and it was big playing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because my parents were divorced and bi coastal, so I would a lot of times me and my brother would fly um, back and forth um, for summers and stuff, and I watched this movie on a plane. Yeah. Um, wow. So I remembered it. It was uh, fun. Like it was a it was a fun. I did like it. I liked at, at the time, you know, in my youth. Uh, you know, I thought Joe Pesci was just cool. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. this there's this old guy just nuts, you know. And <laughs> as, as a young kid, you just you think that's hilarious. You think everything he's doing is funny. He's like sitting on the crapper and yelling at some dude, you know. Um, you forgot to flush. Yeah. Um. So I definitely had that memory. But watching it now, it's it's a totally different sort of experience. And that, I think that's why the end doesn't quite stick it for me. There, yeah. I had some serious issues with the ending. issues with the ending um one big issue is uh joe pesci has some of the best death scenes in hollywood cinema um this is not one of them uh, <laughs> damn <laughs> damn uh, yeah he uh it's up there with uh what's her face uh marion cotier on uh dark oh, dark, dark Rises. Rises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's no. up there with that. Like he just, his eyes kind of just close over and he just kind of goes to the side. Yeah. Uh, so that wasn't great. And then the, you know, I knew what they were trying to, to pull off at the end and they were really trying to get sentimental uh, about stuff. But the, them reading all the notes, the Wal yeah. well, no, the Walt Whitman, the, the, oh. yeah, the, so they're reading it and they're doing this montage where it's supposed to be like this really powerful sort yeah. of thing, but it's just like each one's reading the same poem yeah. over. So like, if you think about it, it's just these <laughs> freaking four or five kids just like reading the same stupid fucking poem. Yeah, Cause it transitions like mid sentence from one of yeah. them to the other and like cool visual, like cool film idea. But like, when you think about the context, like yeah. you're saying, it's just like all four of them got on. They're like, all right, here I go reading the same thing to you again as yeah. you lay there dying. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, just get another book, get another book. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get something else. Uh, I know. Like, they could have, like, done a different poem. Like, each of them could you could have transitioned it pretty well, I think, easily. And it would have still worked. And you wouldn't have to think of just, like, for me, that was just, like, a, a minor little gripe. Uh, but, like... Yeah, like at the end, it got really sappy and, and sentimental, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, at the end of The Color Purple, man, I just, I'm not going to lie, I ball my eyes out. Yeah. I can't mm -hmm. help it. Great but movie. I love yeah. it. Like, I, I, I mean, I, if you watch that movie, like Christmas Time, which is really tragic because it's such, such a sad movie, mm -hmm. but like, I don't know, something about the snow around and being warm and cozy and watching that movie, the end of that movie, every time I ball, like, I'm just sobbing because mm -hmm. i'm happy she's had the worst life and finally you know she gets to see her kids and she's yeah. so happy and she deserves to be happy and oh god i, I mean jeff and i this a few weeks ago went to a theatrical screening of et oh yeah and jeff do you want to describe <laughs> oh it's waterworks oh yeah jeff and i it's cried yeah. i don't know if you cried that much though i cried more than you, you probably you got, a little, you got a little heavier than i got a little heavier than jeff well it's the scene where drew barrymore's on the hospital bed okay and they shock et and uh, she like jolts and yeah. then she starts crying oh mm -hmm. uh, yeah 
breaks me every time. I just found out a fun fact. I don't know if it was from you or I read it online. Um, oh, no, I think I read it online. Uh, did you know that E.T., which you will not believe this, is a plant? Yeah. Yes, he's supposed to be a fungus. <laughs> yeah, you did know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somebody, I just found this out. And uh, somebody was like, well, they asked uh, some actor who was working with Spielberg. And Spielberg said, like, no, he's, you know, he's an actual, like, of the plant well, species. If you've never been to, if you ever go to Universal Studios in oh, no. Orlando, Florida. I have and, and you write E.T. the Adventure or I whatever did. its name. You go to E.T.'s planet. And, yeah. and the gimmick of the ride is you have to find his three friends. And one of them is just a mushroom. Oh, yeah. He's just a talking mushroom. I don't even and, he's, and he goes, that. Welcome home. <laughs> to um, uh, but yeah, it's like they're all like plant people on this planet. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. That was like a fun fact I just learned. And somebody was just like, Well, doesn't he have a heart? And it's like, Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I was like, We don't, we don't got to talk about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. The, so the end there of uh, with honors that that was kind of a little rough for me. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, it turns out Joe Pesci is actually a fungus. <laughs> He's really crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But no, I think yeah, Pesci was great. You couldn't pull this movie off without like I think those two. Although I, I have uh, uh was it Maura Kelly? Maura Kelly. Oh God, she's like so the most incredible voice. Yeah, like incredible in every sort of way like she's very much her own person in this uh she's her own role you know and like back in the day especially back then in the 90s it wasn't like you know women were always typecast in a certain sort of way and she kind of wasn't yeah. she kind of like she just like used men for sex and you know she was totally comfortable with the guys and she didn't it was interesting, but like that also made her incredibly like to me, like an attractive character. Mm -hmm. Like you're just like, well, you know, she's cool. She's yeah, got she it plays, all. She plays an independent person. Yeah. Instead, but, of just, instead of just the love interest. Yeah. And that's yeah. just not common for that time. And it, it's, I think actually a character that is aged and is even better now than maybe then, mm -hmm. you know, of course, at the time when I saw that movie, I think it was 1994, right? Yeah. Yes. So I was nine. So at the time, I don't obviously didn't look at her the same way as I do as an adult, but I thought it, that was It was nice for me to see a Maura Kelly role that I really enjoyed in this. Because mm -hmm. previously, I mostly have just known her as um, both the voice of Nala in The Lion King, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but she's also... Um, replacement Donna in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Okay. Because Laura Flynn Boyle did not want to do the movie. So, so Maura Kelly replaces her and I always had beef with this. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, they don't look anything alike. <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, well, well. here's a, a sad confession. I have not watched any of those like the show, the Twin movies, Peaks. any Twin Peaks, none of it's it. It's its own flavor. Not, not for everybody, but I think you'd like it. I love, so I just, I am a cinephile. Like I love anything, especially things that are yeah. maybe necessarily different. As long as it, it can be, it has to be yeah. different, but with a purpose. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I would watch, like enjoy it, but I need to really dedicate time yeah. to it. Um, but it, I, I am kind of disappointed in myself that I haven't, you know. Ross, do you have a Blu-ray player? I do have a Blu-ray player. Oh, oh no. Oh boy. <laughs> 
He's Jeff is reaching around to grab something. Here. Not us, just oh. listening to this digging <laughs> in the background. Oh wow! Oh my <laughs> god! Wow! Look at this! Incredible! It's is it everything? It's everything except for the third season, which I have separate. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you of course. so much. Um, and if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to take no, it. No, this but. is a good time because, uh, so my wife who's away all the time. She's mm -hmm. always, she's working so much, but she, anytime she is working, I can watch whatever I want, Yeah, which is kind of great. So yeah. it's like, it's a bummer. I don't get to hang out with her. She's out in, I think North Carolina right now, um, working on a, a commercial out there, but yeah, it's awesome for me get to yeah. watch everything like i've been watching scary movies she doesn't yeah. let me watch scary movies any of the artsy fartsy stuff that i like to watch yeah. i don't get to ever watch any of that stuff so mm. it's like just give it all to me you give it take yeah, it all. i'll take I'll it all it. nice yeah um so do you want to just dive into the plot i think do we want to get i think we're this time we would get to like yeah. summarizing the plot which i think we could probably get through pretty quickly though yeah but we I, kind of done a brief summary. We'll, yeah. we'll, hit, we'll hit the skeleton notes. Yeah. Is this my water? Yes, it is. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can discuss the skeleton notes. Um, and we, we, we do got to talk about Pesci. Of course. Um, just like oh, in, yeah. the, in the larger sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can't talk about it too much because we, one day we'll get to the Pesh pack. The, um, the what? The Pesh Pack. What's the Pesh That's Pack? It's our Joe Pesci show that we're going to do at some point. Oh, oh yeah. The Pesh Pack. Instead of the Eric Roberts <laughs> show. <laughs> the Pesh Pack. Oh, that's good. Man. Well, that's going to be a short season. <laughs> he doesn't have. He's not. Yeah, he's like he has like 30, 40 roles maybe. Yeah. It's not too bad. He didn't start. He, he didn't like. I don't think success hit him until Raging Bull and he was in his late 30s. I think so. I think. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. He's uh, 79 now. Mm -hmm. Raging Bull. Yeah, he would have been almost 40 when Raging Bull came out. Yeah. But, uh, God, I love him. He's so good. He's the best. best. He's the fucking best. He yeah. is the best. And his, I think, uh, acting in The Irishman, oh. or The Irishman, was... Incredible. Uh, it was so... Because it was so not Pesci. He's also the only one in that movie who the CGI looks perfect on yeah yeah like I, I would not that, that like it's like i adore that movie mm -hmm. and not that like it like detracts that much the pacino and de niro de-aging mm -hmm. but pesci looks perfect when they de-age him to look young yeah no he does and he it's actually you know people have said that that movie like it all works like you forget about the uncanny yeah. valley i'm like not for me like i still see it it's still a distraction and i, I kind of hope that in like they'll come out in 10 or 20 years the problem with netflix i have a big problem with netflix yeah. you can't own a netflix movie and i i love owning movies i love well, mm. how accessible oh no oh my god look oh, at that oh my god oh, <laughs> yes oh my god that's because it's criterion yes. collection anything that goes into the criterion collection you can yeah. buy well you can't get a digital copy but you can get a, a yeah. physical copy which is the only thing i love about the criterion not the only yeah. thing it's the big thing because I hate that Netflix does it. Like, I hate yeah, it. Yeah, they only let certain movies go to Criterion, and that's the only physical copies they offer. Yeah, and it's just, it's so frustrating to me because I love the accessibility to yes. the average man yeah. to be able to uh, 
go and, oh. and have own a movie yeah and own this piece of art like I, you know sometimes people i think forget that this is art you know yeah. we're, we're, we make art yeah. and um and so to have access to that is really yeah. i think great and i think it's it sucks that like the only way you get this is if you pay a subscription and like you can't have any sort of ownership yeah. over it and and if they change it well. yeah you know it, it, it's it's just not for me i love yeah. i mean i have netflix you got you i think you have I, to. everyone has netflix you know there's too much good content on there but oh you got heat too also sorry adhd <laughs> uh, i'm I, almost done reading heat too oh you are i just got it but i'm oh reading so many other books I'm page 380 oh my 470 God. It, yeah heat too but is it good oh, it's so good really it's oh so god good. uh i it reads like heat too really that's the thing like you start reading heat too and you're like oh well is this just gonna be like heat and you're like oh this is a sequel to heat like when i read books with characters from movies and i'm like if i read like hypothetically a star wars book like no one can write han solo dialogue in a book it never works yeah i never read it in harrison ford's voice sure the second i start reading this book i'm like oh that's Al that's vincent hannah that's al pacino saying that line baby this is funny because like even in on the uh the cover the uh what's it called mm -hmm. on the inside yeah where it's like doing the character description like the it the, lists the, the cast it lists, <laughs> so, yeah, it's vincent like de niro hannah. pacino kilmer i'm like <laughs> okay i guess this is how they're doing it but yeah sorry adhd okay. but no yeah. i just got the book i'm very we excited we did have to talk about heat that was very important it was yeah. <laughs> okay so we can. So Pacino's in this movie. You know, Pacino, yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine if it was Pacino in the basement. <laughs> 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 like, the basement like, hey, what do you want? Huh? Oh my god. Oh, that'd yeah. be perfect. Uh, Does she have a great ass? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're we start the movie. <laughs> so we start the movie with a Patrick, Patrick Dempsey narration. Yeah. Immediately out of like there. He's just like, it's just him in a clock tower well, with it, a rooster. A, it's a radio station. Cause yeah. it's like, good morning, Harvard. And you're probably all stressed about your thesis paper, especially yes. you seniors. And it's, filling in the context yeah. of like oh okay i like, just like when a movie starts off and it's just patrick dempsey in a clock tower yeah with <laughs> you a like with a rooster walking around with yeah. patrick dempsey in a clock tower with yes a rooster. i like movies are patrick dempsey in a clock tower with a rooster <laughs> okay because immediately i'm like oh, there's two wait, wait. i'm like yeah. oh, wait a second i thought this was about joe yeah. pesci yeah uh. so uh and then i think we're gonna introduce to brendan fraser right away right away yes. uh He's, he's a, uh, he's a very like straight laced conservative like Harvard student. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's fo he's focused on one thing, and that's his future, his career, and achieving his like honors, like graduating with honors, mm -hmm. with his final thesis, which is like some hundred page treatise on how the twenty first century, how government needs to be run in the twenty first century. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And immediately we get like the core of his ass argument, which is like the naive faith in the wisdom of the people that the government has to get past. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's just kind of anti-constitutional. Yeah. <laughs> like, like right away, I'm like, okay, so Frazier's like hates the constitution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, a little bit, yeah. Which the movie does get into. It's not just thrown out there. Yeah. But it is a strange way to start off with the lead characters that immediately we understand, oh, this guy's kind of bad news. Yeah. It's interesting because I think in, you know, right now there's a lot of conversations about, you know, politically about like, 
our government and everything, but the constitution, it, it is interesting, but it's just like, it starts off here. It goes, it has a little spot in the middle. There's like, um, a, a conversation, you know, obviously when he takes him to the, his class, the, the history class. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and you kind of get a breakdown of, of how the constitution is run and how, you know, he talks about the amendments and everything like that. But I did think another thing that was really interesting that again, when it comes to current topics yeah. and things that they hit on in the beginning and yeah. everything was the appointment of Clarence Thomas into the Supreme yeah. court. They brought that up and I was just like, Oh wow. And now that's a whole other thing yeah. going on yeah. right now. Yeah. And it's just crazy. History like, echoes itself. Well, it, well, it, it echoes itself, but like the but, fact that like, it's kind of like a, a bottle, like uh, what are those things? Uh, not a bottle, but like where you dig it up. Uh, you, oh, message in a like no, no, time no. capsule. It's like a time capsule to a certain extent, where they actually had more things in this movie than I even that realized. are so relevant. They yeah. are relevant. Like, like even just the basic conversation. The basic conversation of this movie, politically, is what does the government like? How much does the government owe to its citizens? Mm-hmm. Like does the like does the government owe a like everyone to live a comfortable life? Do they not? Is the government for the people? Is it by the people? Mm-hmm. And that's the argument the movie's raising. And nowadays we're featuring that a lot with like discussion of well, is it the government's responsibility to take care of everybody, or do mm-hmm. people have to take care of themselves and thereby take care of the government? Mm-hmm. And so this movie's st- like. It's an interest. Stuart's giving me this like lovely no, smile right now. No, it's great. I love all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of this discussion. No, yeah. And I, th- what I just, I really, what I, I thought it was very interesting how, especially how the conversations evolve nowadays. Um, is it's gotten more so. I I use the word radicalized in the sense of like when you have any discussion about the Constitution, it's uh, dried ink on paper. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it's a holy grail document that like never changes, which this movie references that yeah. it was a document made to, to be change. changed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you guys are saying. It's very much like echoing like things mm-hmm. in history to us now. The fact that 1994, so this was 18, 18 years ago, 2028 to 28. Sorry, 28 what? years ago. 28 years ago? Yeah. 1994 or 20? 20, oh, yeah. 20, 2022 is 22 plus 6. years ago. Yeah. Shit. Damn. Yeah. Uh, that made me feel really old. <laughs> Stuart's aged before my eyes. Uh, yeah. Robert, uh, same Robert Ryan style. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say uh, Santa Claus, Tim Allen style. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or Donovan drinking the Holy Grail style. Or <laughs> how many of these like aging yeah. tropes can we do? I feel like very, like I got nothing right now. I'm trying to think. I'm like, eh. or, what, are more, what are more rapid aging or, scenes? Or uh, yeah. pe- pe- uh, what's that, uh, the guy's name in uh, Old, the Shyamalan movie? <laughs> oh my God. Gal, Gar- Gal Garcia Benal. Yes. Benal. Uh, yep. Yeah. I have not seen that movie either. I watched half of it and it's turned it pretty, off. It's really? pretty good. It's, is it? It's kind of good. No, it's not. I watched half of it and I There's turned it off. There's a rapper in it. His name is Midsize Sedan. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. my only argument for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's, uh, Brandon Fraser's in yes. uh, his thesis advisor's office. Yes. 
and he's like reciting the first chapter by yes. memory of his thesis and of course the professor's like oh yes like if if your thesis is half as good as the first chapter then i will say and he says, then i think you can I recommend you to graduate with, with honors. honors and then that's you is that <laughs> and, yeah. yeah and it's funny this guy, um, his fireworks in the sky, the, his ACDC professor with honors um, title sequence. Professor Pitzcannon mm-hmm. is played by Gore Vidal, who's like a major uh, public intellectual. He ran for president twice <laughs> as a as a Democrat. So and he like you know later served in government. <laughs> so it's very funny they got this guy to play essentially this like I don't want to say a caricature of a like conservative think tank character. Mm-hmm. But they did kind of get him to play it up a little bit. Yeah. Because he is very much playing like, the government needs to get off of the people. And needs to understand that the people are there to be ruled. So, okay, buddy. All right. Yeah. No, I think uh, it was really... That was another thing that I found interesting, too. Because how many times have you seen this movie where, like, the bum is, like... he's He turns out to be really smart. But then even on top of it is like he had this backstory where he was this ingenious like writer man yeah back in the day and he was like he's the guy that they've been searching for for years and blah 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 but they didn't do that with this which i kind of liked i I thought i liked that the guy was just he just liked to read he kind of he knew he had his own takes on things but he didn't need more than that he was he was curious um about you know what was going on in the world um, he didn't want much, but um, he was, a, you know, a really fun character, mm-hmm. like just a curious character and a fun character full of life. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he just he li- like he, it's not like he's done an extraordinary thing in his life. He lived a life. Mm-hmm. He just lived a normal person life. Yeah, because yeah. even at one point, Pesci does bring up the um, the one guy because he's reading obituaries, mm-hmm. and he brings up the one guy, and it's like. Um, Jeff Sweeney died 79, no, no survivors, no, survivors, no services. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. it's like, he's like, that's, that's, that's the life. Like everybody lived a life. He's like, how did that guy die with the, he, when he never even really lived a life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it's pretty sad. Yeah. I think, but to, to some extent, like he had, he was survived by nobody. Mm-hmm. I think the point was that like, and this is why he, wanted to go see his son was because he was survived by no so even if you did have a life right he had a life he did things he was a curious curious person you know uh living in this library and doing things and he was a funny guy but the thing was like if he would have died and he didn't meet brendan Fraser's character even though he had a life, he, it would have just been it lost. It would not have been... You need someone to tell your story. Yeah, and yeah. you needed... I, I think family was... You know, they... It, this was Fast and the Furious before Fast and the Furious. You know, <laughs> oh, my is, God. Um, yeah, this was all about wow. family. Wow. Essentially... So, I think, yo, Pesci was the, the original Diesel, you know? <laughs> um, the Joe Diesel? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Pesci, he does kind of have, like, a, you know, a cyclist look going at one point in this mm-hmm. movie with the big round glasses. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, he recites this thesis 
And then he's walking through, or he goes home to finish typing it, and his 1994 computer, like... The hard drive fries. The, the Yeah, the hard drive gets fried in, like, a brief electrical surge. Yeah. And he loses the entire thesis. Thankfully for him, he has 80 pages of it printed out. 88. 88 pages of it printed out in, like, a manila envelope. Yeah, so he and says so he's going to go to a copy center. He's going to go get it Xerox, and so he does backup copies. Can we just pause? It's just the term... Xerox. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And like, how aged that is. And now. they're like, bro, you should wait until the morning. And he's like, no, I got to do it tonight. And like at like 1 a.m. And they're like, well, well, it's snowing out. Well, and they're like, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to catch on fire. And he's like, I just need the, the certainty. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I was, I should put it under my pillow and then sleep. Like, yeah. But nah, man, we got to get that scene yeah. where it's Brendan well, Fraser in his like this, bathrobes and his pajamas. We and get it's this like, fucking this like this is Looney Tunes ass routine. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. He's like running through the Harvard Town Square. By the way, this movie is mostly filmed at uh, University of Urbana Champlain mm-hmm. here in uh, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, not actual. They did like a few days at actual Harvard. But like he's running through the square and he like trips on a pole and the the thesis like flies into the air and then an anvil comes down from the sky <laughs> and like yeah. pits him upside drop. the head. He yeah. runs over a cliff, pauses, looks down, then falls. Yes. Like Yeah, somehow the storm drain is directly into the inside boiler the room. Boiler room. <laughs> like, explain yeah. to I'm me. I'm just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not sure. It, it, because it does go down a storm drain and then wind up in the boiler room. Yeah. Which implies that like if it's raining, they just dump all their water into <laughs> the at the bottom of the harvard library yeah Yeah. and so he has to moira kelly has to like distract the security guard we get a uh tom cruise mission impossible break-in scene yeah Mm -hmm. very she has to like describe and she's like hey i lost a green wallet yeah and security guards like oh let me check for you yeah that doesn't happen they're just (laughs) like uh no not here yeah (laughs) bye and then this guy's like he's like digging under the desk for like five minutes while fraser who has like a like a sprained foot at this point mm-hmm. is like hobbling through the library down to the boiler room mm-hmm. can't find the documents where he saw them drop and wait first of all he took the elevator down yes how does the guy not notice the elevator <laughs> that's what i was down? gonna say oh, yeah. like because it makes a noise yeah people can hear yeah Okay, that was okay. Keep going. Well, clearly security's not particularly great at this building yeah. because as Fraser opens the door downstairs, he finds a guy living in the boiler. Yeah, uh, yeah, not top tier security. Yes, <laughs> like he, this. Like, and Pesci immediately looks at the guy from Spirited Away, who's like in the basement with all the arms, the oh, spider guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has like the same kind of face, and he's like in a boiler, and he's throwing pieces of the thesis into a fi- into the mm-hmm. fire. Yeah. And Fraser comes in and Pesci's like, ah, and he's like prodding at him with the stick. And he's like, here's what one thing I'll give you one page for one thing you give me mm-hmm. or do for me. And he's like, I want a glazed donut, perfect. but perfect glazed yeah. donut. None of them cracks on it, mm-hmm. which like if anyone's ever eaten a glazed donut, as I'm sure we all have, it's not possible. <laughs> Oh, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> like, you have to get it. Like, if you want it to not crack, say, you have to get it fresh off, like, the glaze. Yeah, yeah. And then run it over before it dries. Because yeah. the second it dries, even if you don't touch it, it just. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, he Maybe was that was his point. What if Fraser, like, you see him with a glazed donut. It's, like, got a bunch of cracks. He, like, has a lighter to it. He's trying to melt the glaze. <laughs> yeah. So it re, like. Well, that's five D chess right there. Yeah. But maybe that was the point. I think that is the point. Yeah. Mm. 
But anyway, he um he does the logical thing instead of uh calling instead of getting the guy a donut, he just calls the cops. <laughs> he's like, yeah. yeah, those are bum living in their basement of yeah. the library. Yeah, and uh, gets Pesci taken out by the by campus police, mm-hmm. and he's taken to court for the weirdest courtroom scene. Very oh, weird. Yeah, Very so strange. It's a good scene, it but is. it's very strange and like. I was like, well, that's not how court works, but I do like the scene. From yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you, I'm charging you with trespassing. Um, uh, public, intox- public, public intoxication. intoxication. And mm. he gets a third charge. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, um, trespassing, public intoxication, and... Uh, I think the other one, I think it might have been like, yeah, something like theft or something or, like that. Because the way his excuses are, the way he gets out of them is um, like, Your Honor, I wasn't trespassing because the basement of the of the Harvard Library, like Harvard, is a public school. Mm-hmm. Therefore, like I can, you know, it's, any, a, it's it, public it, property. It's, it's public property, and thereby in part owned by me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he was like, Okay, well, you're still arrested for the public intoxication. He's like, Well, at the time, I was at my home. I wasn't out driving. I yes. wasn't doing anything. Yeah. I wasn't even out in public. So he drops that charge. And then for like theft, it's like I wasn't stealing anything or yeah. Or was it like I can't remember what his third excuse was. Yeah, he does get a fifty dollar contempt of court charge, yeah. fifty dollars or fifty days. Fraser pay, Fraser pays it off. Yeah, to try yeah. and get his document back and a show of goodwill. Fifty dollars or fifty. Days. Fraser is goodwill hunting. Who would take fifty days? Like who can? Like even back then, like yeah. $50 or 50 days? It is a, it's a rather ridiculous, like... Yeah. $50 or five days, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That seemed like... Unless the judge was just like, this guy definitely doesn't have $50. Yeah. He's, He's like, screw this guy. Yeah. So, um, but that was kind of weird. But no, the, it's a great scene. Pesci hams it up, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Like... Obviously, Pesci's, Pesci's at this point in his career, right around this movie comes out, where he's kind of become the master of ham mm-hmm. in Hollywood, because like, he consistently sh- like no, he consistently shows that he is a real actor, both in this movie and other movies. What year did My Cousin Vinny come out? My Cousin Vinny is ninety two. Oh, so it was before this. Y- yes. Oh. Okay. So like, if we discount Lethal Weapon two, which comes out before Goodfellas, Leo gets. Oh yeah. Which which comes out before Goodfellas. After Goodfellas, it's basically the run of Home Alone, JFK, My Cousin Vinny, Lethal Weapon 3, Home Alone 2, Bronx Tale, Jimmy Hollywood with honors. Wow. So, like, he just kind of gets this immediate run of off of Goodfellas. Like, oh, he's kind of the funny guy mm-hmm. you put into these movies. Yeah. Sure. Because, you know, even in Goodfellas, he's like, I'm funny how? Funny like a clown, like I amuse you? And it's like, well, yes, Joe, actually. That's, that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, mimic his voice he does in this movie. It's impossible. Oh, yeah. It is impossible. It's like, Jeff, what's your best? Come on, give us something. What is the hey, accent? it's me, Joe Pesci. What's going on? No, that's You Joe can't Pesci. do it. Like, what is the, like, what was he trying to play? Like, it's, um, was it, that wasn't New York. No, was, it's, it's like his Italian accent, but, like, is he trying to do like a bot? He's where does he say he's from? Is well, it is he from Boston? He's well. He went. I know he he joined the Merchant Marines. Yes, but oh, man, I can't. I don't remember. I mean, his son lives within driving distance of Boston, so I'm yeah. presuming yeah. he's doing like a New England thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he totally nailed it. 
Your Honor, I was hey, it's not... It's me, Joe Pesci, you uh, know. Uh, I was not living in... Four score, my... seven years ago. <laughs> uh, I was living on proper property of Harvard at the time, Your Honor. <laughs> I, I can't do it. It's impossible. It's Nobody so can do it. I don't. I mean, people can do Pesci, but I don't think people can do Pesci in this movie. No, it's so specific. It's so strange. Yeah. Are you aware that since Lethal Weapon 4, Joe Pesci has only done five things? Yes. Uh, which uh, upsets me. And yeah. I, like, I... I love Pesci so yeah. much and I'm very, very like selfish in the fact that I want more Pesci. Let me, let me read for you these five things he's done since lethal weapon four, because he essentially retired from acting in 2000. Mm -hmm. He did a cameo in the movie, the good shepherd, mm -hmm. which is a De Niro movie. So directed he, yeah. as a friend. Uh, he's in love ranch. Okay. Uh, he voices the king of mosquitoes in the animated film, a warrior's tale in 2016. Okay. He is Russell Buffalino in The Irishman. Mm -hmm. And then he is in a Home Alone-themed Capital One ad <laughs> in which he is in one shot. And it's him on a couch watching the Capital One Home Alone ad. That is interesting. The commercial has Macaulay Culkin. It's a whole thing. And this one is just Joe Pesci on a couch watching it being like, there's something familiar about all this, you know? <laughs> you know that was a good voice. And then he just signed up to be in a Pete Davidson Peacock comedy. Oh, jeez. It's a very strange run he's done. Yeah, and you know he also did Gotti, right? Yes. So he did Gotti and got cut. <laughs> and he, he, in fact, it was in every scene of the movie and they cut around him. Yeah, they like cut around him and he sued them. He was really pissed because, you know, I think the, the project oh, was actually really well, important to the, him. The, the Gotti story is he didn't, he never got to filming. Okay. Um, because we did talk about this in our last... Uh, John when our, in our five-hour Gotti oh, yeah, episode. It is yeah. a five-hour episode. Because it is a, it's the same movie, just uh -huh. like down the line. He uh, put on 30 pounds to play Angelo in it. Okay. Um, Angelo Bruno? No. I can't remember what the guy's last name is. But Angelo's... Angelo, right. you know, the, the, yeah, the fucking yeah. idiot guy in, in Gotti who keeps they blowing... They say Angelo died of cancer... But I'd say he died of a broken heart. <laughs> God, funniest movie ever. Oh but he put on 30 pounds to play Angelo in it. Sure. And then they recast him with someone else. Yeah. Um, and he sued them. And that's why Gotti didn't get made in that iteration. Mm. And it went through like eight years of litigations. Until finally like the rights lapsed again. And that's when Travolta came in. Gotcha. And made Gotti happen on his dime. Boy, I bet he And that basically is that. the... You can, in some respect, say that Joe Pesci is responsible for this podcast. Yeah. Because this podcast doesn't exist without Gotti. Gotti doesn't exist in its current form without Pesci. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Stuart wow. now hates this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did I say I liked with honor? So I yeah. fucking hate it. I mean, oh, it's man. just so funny. Uh, mm. Yeah, Pesci. Like, that, I haven't seen that movie. I know that E from... Uh, e from Entourage, Entourage directed. directed it. Pitbull does the score. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I basically exercise. I mostly exercised Gotti from my myself by talking about it for five hours earlier this year. It really yeah. is a five-hour-long episode. Wow, really? it is like five hours and twenty minutes long. Ooh, that's that's intense. It's it's a lot of different segments. Okay, uh, so it's not like we were just sitting here talking. talking for, we were actually sitting here talking for like twelve hours with different groups of people, and then we cut them all together. Oh man, that's a. That's it that's was crazy quite episode. an undertaking. Yeah, five hours and six minutes. Wow, that's, that's something. something. 
And I was there for all of it. So was I. It was a good time. By the end, he just wasn't speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I literally just, just stopped talking. Silent. That's, yeah. I mean, okay. there's something to be said for a movie that you can talk about that much. Yes. You know? There's so much context in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much context. It's like it's like the Ed Wood thing. Like yeah. you know, it's sort of like how you could talk about his whole thing. Yeah. Although they didn't really talk about his life after, you know, like and like how it spiraled down mm-hmm. in, in the movie. But that's why that movie's so good. Yeah, yeah. Because it ends right at the point where he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna be famous." Yeah. It's like this optimistic G wit. That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, Ed Wood. It's um, a great movie. Yeah. Uh, so after he bails yes. uh, Joe Pesci out of yes. jail, uh, then that's when they kind of come to their agreement or however. Yeah, they're like, one, you you do one thing for me, I give you one page. And it's like one night, if allow me to stay with you for one night with dinner included is like 10 yeah. pages or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So... He brings him home. Yeah, he brings him home. He, let, he lets him sleep in the, like a broken down broken van. Down van. There, there's like this... Und- there's like this thing that they only kind of mention where it's like they had a roommate who had a psychotic break, mm-hmm. left all his belongings and his van and at the house to and moved Bal- to Bali. Yeah. And which Joe Pesci's only reply is, oh yeah, I've been to Bali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it's, uh, I'm, I actually just, I want to know more about this guy. Yeah. Like he's like, I don't know why, what the, the, purpose of the invention of the character was other than just like having an extra room whereas they you know you didn't need it because it was just like up in the attic right and so you could just say oh you could go stay up in the attic but like yeah I, they had this whole backstory for this, this they wanted to lock their doors from pesci from being able to go I in guess. their house at night maybe it's what it was i just don't understand what the purpose of this made-up character was yeah. i mean they're all made-up characters but this one in particular yeah i gotta know more about them but it's it seems to always be a trope when like movies and tv where it's like if you're writing about like uh uh, a group of like you know a poor family or a group of poor friends living in like a you know impoverished like house or whatever mm-hmm. they always have to have a broken down car in the backyard Oh, yeah. Has anyone else notice that? Like Shameless yes. had that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a broken down car in the backyard of the Shameless house. Yeah. Well, Shameless though is like South Side, you know. Yeah. And like it's in the city. There's so many broken down cars. Right. And this is like, you know, New England, uh, northeastern like yeah. area. Poor college kids, probably you know, like making the ninth row row ninth night in a row of like ramen or spaghetti or however i mean it just it sounds like you know they're all kind of all four of them are tightly strapped yeah cash well, wise one thing i actually really admired was that the house actually kind of looked like a piece of shit yeah like it wasn't yeah. like the, like you go to friend like watch friends and yeah you know these young 20 somethings have this in, like two incredible apartments in manhattan yeah that's just like incredible very like cheaply owned yeah however so, it works but uh yeah no this looked like like a place that I when I went to college like this is where I yeah. stayed that four people could plausibly like pay for and stay at yeah 100% yeah. it reminded me a little bit of like my like junior year house in college because it has a lot of similar vibes mm-hmm. but yeah yeah but, I think that worked better than the uh, clock tower yeah <laughs> yes the clock yeah the what? clock tower like kind of dodgy uh, backdrop outside the window oh you could totally see that yeah, backdrop you could very see that it oh was like oh my gosh 
yeah i was gonna bring that up earlier was like how the backdrop but i'm glad you brought that up it was a little distracting yeah yeah something that I can't. We're over an hour into this recording, yes. guys, and I can't even believe we haven't mentioned it. But Ross, you're like a tech, a lighting technician, as in its essence, you sure. know, yeah. grip, uh, grip, and all that stuff uh, in the film industry here in Chicago. So I'm interested in your thoughts on like that sort of specific element of the film. It's interesting. It's actually better than I would have expected. Like for this again, the style in the '90s. Uh, everything was pretty formulaic and this was too to a certain extent like it wasn't like a noir sort of high contrasty like very bright on one side very dark on the other yeah. side of the face like it was but it, it also feel felt like lived in lighting like when they were at their house it felt like there was it was natural lighting yeah they still lit their cast and there were still some beauty shots um especially like on you know Frazier and Moira Kelly like there's like when she's over at the uh fountain and stuff you know she looks yeah. gorgeous and stuff like that but for the most part you know I appreciated that it wasn't so cookie cutter that it, there was actually a little bit of you know kind of truth to it um it you know if you look at Gus Van Sant's movie the Goodwill Hunting you know it's a little bit more edgy, so it's a little bit, you know, there's a lot more shadow and it's, you know, there's a lot more focus on the actors and mm -hmm. um, it's a lot more textured. Whereas this one, there's less texture going on. Um, it's a little bit flatter, um, but still nice. And, yeah. you know, I, I appreciated it. I, I don't think there was anything wrong with it. It's not, it's definitely not like, what are some like 90s movies that just, can't stand to even look at them because they're just they bother me so much there's a lot of them yeah i mean it's always like especially continuing with the goodwill hunting that uh new england harvard east coast overcast look mm -hmm. as well yeah so it always feels like it's always like gloomy yeah, dreary. and dreary and cloudy over there well that's like. that is a fun thing that i read about this movie um is that oh, I, I read yeah, this too that um because this movie's set during the winter yeah. there's actual snow on the ground right but it didn't work for what they were trying to do so they had to sh get shovel all the snow out and put fake snow down yeah they, which must have been the most infuriating thing yeah as like one of the guys just shoving you're like oh finally and then just like an effects truck pulls through and just leaves a layer of snow oh my yeah. god they said the snow didn't look real enough it is what i read like it didn't look real for them so they had to add the snow which is just that's got better for camera maybe yeah. like or you know it just reminds me of when we shot this uh show called next um that did it was one season on fox but yeah it's it takes place place in California, but we're in Illinois, and there was a, a part where I remember a day where we were shooting this scene at the this kid's birthday party, and the scene takes place outside, and it's supposed to be sunny California, and it's just snow, dreary. Oh it's God. snow everywhere, and we, we had to be outside, and it's so. And then all the like the extras and every everybody were, had to be in shorts. And oh stuff. my God! And it was literally maybe a few degrees above zero. <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just felt like I was like, are you 
kidding me? Oh, this is crazy. The... And so it kind of reminded me of that whenever I read that, that they had gotten rid of the snow. Like the things that the film industry does yeah. to like, to like take you on these like adventures and these yeah. trips and tell you these stories. Oh my God. It's ridiculous. The things that we do, we spend so you know, we spend so many hours on set, you know, a lot of times 12 hours or more just to make these little things like snow. Yeah. Like yeah. take the real snow out and put in the fake snow to make it look like real snow. Isn't that silly? Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh my it's God. It's very silly. Yeah. God, I can't imagine the casting complaints from that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't, uh, well, I was about to say something somewhere happened to me on a movie. I'll, I can tell you about it later. Yeah. Well, we got so many like casting stories offline. Uh, but so at this point that, you know, it's the next day and the roommates are still kind of getting acclimated yeah. to Joe Pesci. I suppose we can kind of speed through. Fraser a lot of tries this stuff. to like hide that Pesci's out back and they immediately just they start immediately hearing him. Hear yeah. him. It, like, so... Well, there's a guy in our backyard. <laughs> well, he goes to the kitchen to grab like a plate of spaghetti and then goes back and outside. Then goes outside where it's snowing. And he's yeah. like, I'm just going to eat out here. And they're like, well, clearly he's yeah. giving it to the homeless man in the backyard. Yeah. yeah. And so the next day he gets like 10 pages from pesci and then pesci i like this little scene he's like i want you to help 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 let me carry your books it's like oh well, what do you want to return it's like i don't want anything returned it's just i just want to doing you a kindness I'm just doing you a kindness by carrying your books and it's it, it's so hard for fraser to like get over that because yeah. mm -hmm. he has uh, a very like transactional attitude. transactional mindset on the world yeah sure. that you know you get something you give something especially from his ideas of like people expect a lot from the government Mm -hmm. Um, and they should give something in return. Yeah. And this yeah. is just kind of, you know, continuing on his mindset for that. Sure. I think I can, I can definitely go with that. I mean, obviously the beginning, the whole beginning of their relationship within two seconds was transactional. Yeah. yeah. Like it was like, Oh, you want this? Well, I want this immediately. Like he was throwing the stuff away and then he's just like, he's like, that's 88 pages. He's like, well, no, it's 82 pages. So <laughs> you're going to need to, uh, you know, do some swapping for me. Um, so I kind of get that, but no, it was a very nice uh, addition to, you know, like showing that the guy wasn't just all about like, hey, I'm not just trying to take shit from you, but like, yeah, I, I am. But yeah. like, you're also struggling. Yeah. One, and one thing that I actually really appreciated was why he was wearing the cast and it's cold outside. He had like just the sock over top, just his toes. Yeah. Cause you know, that's the one yeah. part of the cast, you know, it's not covered. And I was like, I get that. It's a nice bit of costuming. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, it's just like great. It's also like an interesting performance bit to Fraser that almost throughout this entire movie, he is like on crutches. Yes. And in a cast. I don't know. I I know there's lots of movies that do yeah. that where the, you know, like. But he's really, really, he has to work extra hard on that. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice little extra thing that they do with him and it's a nice continuity thing that they don't really let up with. Yeah. But I didn't understand one thing though. Like why. Did he only want, like, they even asked, like, why do you just want the one crutch? Like, how does that help you? He's like, I could do it. Why? Why would you, why would you yeah. want to? <laughs> that, it yeah. looks like you're struggling so much more. So much more. Yeah. And I, I don't know who's, if that was Fraser's decision. I, think, or... I feel like it's a character thing where he's just the guy who, like, he's, he's trying to, like, live out the idea of, like, the government shouldn't help people and he rejects help. Sure. And like, he doesn't want to look weak, reduce the amount of things he relies yeah. on. 
reduce yeah. what he relies. Yeah. Because yeah. he even has like that weird artwork in his bedroom where it's like Department of Power and there's a picture of FDR. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. very strange. But he's very much opposed to like, you know, the New Deal ideology. It seems mm-hmm. to be his bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they get into this back and forth. And nothing of, like, note happens necessarily right away with it. The, mm. I'd say the next big part is when he brings Pesci to class with him. Yeah, that's mm. what I was going to say. Uh, he goes to a lecture with uh, Gore Vidal, who's, like, immediately just walks in and is like, the scum of the earth must be deposed. <laughs> like, Whoa, yeah. It's like, the people do not know what they want. <laughs> <laughs> Only can the a, government yeah. does. Can a president Kill everyone. Uh, yes, his whole argument is: Can a president wipe out all life on the earth? Is it and a is king? There any difference between a president and a king? Yeah. And they're like, "Well, you know, he needs congressional approval." And he's like, "He does. He can wage war for ninety days without congressional mm-hmm. approval. Can fire a nuclear device if he wishes." <laughs> I did appreciate that, but like, I like that he's like, Pesci was like, "This sounds like a setup." Like yeah. whenever he was asking, he's like, "Don't be a hero." Yeah, and yeah. then Pesci came out, and you know he had to have that moment. But it was it was a good moment. It was like it it went to lend itself to his character not being as dumb as you would think. He is, you know, he is a well read person who is. I like the idea that Pesci was hiding out in the basement of a library and spent his time just reading. Yeah, so he's very knowledgeable. Yeah, like he ju- he seems like a cu- curious. People are generally or and i think genuinely more interesting people because they're since they're curious they learn new things they're looking for new things they're and his character definitely seemed like that yeah and he was passing on his experiences and his knowledge uh in a very pesci way to brendan frazier who had to go through this journey of like seeing a different perspective not only about uh what he thought about people like that are less than but also just like just a different perspective just on the world yeah and our country like uh the how he had talked about the founding fathers and putting in so that this document could be changed you know by adding these amendments yeah so uh and he just he lays that's such a good scene and then the whole class gives him a standing ovation yeah yeah and i like that this in addition to like changing Fraser and changing his roommates, he does in some small way change the professor. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. at this point is un- like he just is unwilling to hear opposing viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the movie, he doesn't believe in them, but he respects the opposition. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think what's what's the next like because I this is the only part in the movie where I kind of thought I dragged a little bit was sort of its second act where well, the, he started he just kind of like ingratiates himself with the, the kids a little bit more. yeah 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 and I feel like you know we can almost like s- sum up that as what you just said yeah. that he's just getting closer with the kids to the point where I like my the next big bit that I remember is I, I think when he like disappears almost. Well, yeah, because he's in, it's like Sub-Zero, and he's in the van in the back, and he's mm-hmm. like, can I get another blanket? And Fraser's like, oh, yeah, let me grab you one. He's like, can I sleep in the cellar tonight? Like, mm-hmm. I'll give you 10 pages for that. Yeah. Yeah. And Fraser had already asked, like, his roommates, hey, can you sleep in the cellar? And they're all like, well, I don't know. No, not really. Yeah, it was just Jeff. Yeah, Jeff's just Jeff. dick. Yeah, I know. Fuck Jeff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Jeff. And so he goes back out, and he's like, sorry, the basement's flooded right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's like, I'll get you a blanket, though. And then he walks away, and uh, Simon's just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And the next morning, he goes out, and he finds a note that says, you lied, deals off. Yeah. And then he doesn't see Simon again for, like, a month. Yeah. It's it's like a long period of time passes. I, here, at this point in time, I see, I, I, I register all this, and I think, when was his thesis due? Because, yeah. like, it seemed like at the very beginning of the movie that he was on a time crunch for it. But then they spend a lot. Well, it's established. Of time. He, it's not due until the end of the until the end of the school year, mm-hmm. and it's not close. And to he the already end of the had eighty year. pages done, mm-hmm. like at the beginning, which was like October ish. Yeah. Um, okay. And so it's Christmas now, and he can't find Simon anywhere. And then Christmas break goes. Like he's staying in town for Christmas break. Yeah. Um. Everyone else is going home. Maura Kelly tries to get him to come home with her, and he's like, no. Because like the two of them want to like you know, be a I thing. don't think she was like that until later on in the movie. Like probably right around that. Yeah, that she. I don't think like she had him come in uh, while she was showering. Like it, she yeah. did, didn't even like think of him in that yeah. sort of regard then. And but he is because he says the I would love to be that razor right now. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I think that his journey as he changed is what attracted her to him yes he starts being a little more open with his <laughs> views mm-hmm. um and open with other things too oh, um <laughs> there's a sweet little brendan Fraser shirt off scene yeah, there yeah. oh god oh Oof. Oof. Yeah. uh is this when he gets visited by the other homeless guy yeah the other homeless mm-hmm. he get, well it's christmas and he gets visited by the ghost the homeless man of christmas past, past. present <laughs> and future yeah Cause uh, he's like, oh, "Are you Monty?" And he's like, "Yeah." It's like, uh, "Can I come in?" I have a note from Simon, but he said you'd give me a meal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's what's interesting about this particular guy is he does sort of a similar thing that uh, uh, Simon does, where it's like, you know, I I have like a you know ham and cheese sandwich. It's like, do you have mustard? It's like, yeah, I'll take mustard. It's like, it's the idea of like, you know, they'll take food, but they'll also yeah they'll they'll ask for more yeah. it, well, rather than just like you know i'll take what i can get it's like you know well, he, there are things he prefers yeah food that he likes exactly exactly it's a it and people might interpret that as being like oh well shouldn't they get whatever they can get but i think it's also a dignity thing as well it's like it's nice that he can ask for you know i'm trying to find the actor who plays this guy yeah. Oh, good. But, but he's like trying to be his only thing. Homeless man number two. Okay. Uh, I thought I recognized him from something, but I spoke. <laughs> yeah. Homeless man number two. Oh my god. Man. <laughs> right no, after I just got no done making a point man number one. Ab- about dignity. And that's Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah, I guess Joe Pesci is number one. He, yeah. Oh wait, there we go. There he is. There is a homeless man number one played by Clebert Ford. Oh, okay. What's no. Clevert Ford doing right now? Okay, this is, he was looking, he yeah, must this have been the dude on the bench. Was yeah. he the, the guy laying yeah. on the okay, bench? Okay, so Clevert uh, Ford is the guy who comes into the house. He's in a few Spike Lee movies. Oh, uh, okay. okay. None like major roles, but he's in them. Sure. Um, so then he gives Fraser the other pages and yes. says, hey, this is all from uh, Simon. Yeah. And he left you a note. Um, and it's like, it's a poem. And it's like, see not through my eyes, see not through the eyes of others. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of just, I can't remember the exact wording of it. Yeah. But it's a poem essentially telling him, like, find, like, your own viewpoint in this world. Find something you believe in, truly. Stop trying to parrot the ideas of others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And so he's like, you got to tell me where Simon is. And he's like, all right, he told me not to tell you. But as long as you know he doesn't want to see you, here's where he's at. Yeah. Yeah. And so he tells him he's at this shelter at a church. St. Peter's shelter. Yeah. He goes to the church and knocks on the door and a pastor answers. says, son, there's no shelter in this church. And I've been here for 35 years. If there's ever a shelter, it's right across the street. Yeah. And that's where he sees like the alleyway. With a bunch know, of homeless encampments. A bunch of homeless encampments there. Um. He finds Joe Pesci shivering in the cold, yeah. coughing, sick, and brings him home. Yeah, and spend him. Christmas together. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, uh, not too long ago, I just kind of had a, a moment like that. We were doing the promo for the new Justified yeah. show coming out, mm-hmm. and they had us parking. We were downtown, and I came out of... Uh, I, ha- I had left something in my truck, so I had to leave set, go... Uh, my truck and I came out and there was an alleyway full of homeless people mm-hmm. and then there was a homeless guy that was like dead in the middle of the, the alleyway mm-hmm. oh, I had, we had to call I like called production and was like hey we need to get a cop over here yeah it was pretty it was pretty sad yeah it's like, upsetting yeah, yeah you know it wow. was uh, it was right next to that bar the maybe I shouldn't say the bar give them some bad PR <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's the the bar has my name in it. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, mm, but okay. downtown. But yeah, it's uh yeah, it was a that was a sad little site. It kind of adds more context onto yeah. that scene. Where it's like they just kind of that's the only place they can find shelter and camaraderie is in like an alleyway out across the street from a church, which is supposed to be a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he brings Pesci home and they spend Christmas together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pesci cooks Christmas dinner. Yeah. Um, he cooks chicken. Oh and, uh, yeah, this. He's scene. just casually like, yeah, the plucking was the hardest part, and Frazier's <laughs> like, what? what? Oh boy! And then they figure out it's the, yeah, it's, it's it's the Patrick it's Patrick Dempsey's rooster. rooster. We haven't even mentioned Patrick Dempsey in a while, but he's still in there. He's yeah. still here. Yeah. He's a fun character. Although, okay, quick question: uh, at the end of the movie, Patrick Dempsey, like he got a new animal. He buys a cow. It's a cow. Okay. <laughs> I, but we never see a cow. We never see but the cow. He called it what Bessie or something. Yeah, he's like, like that. I got, goodbye. Rookie or whatever. Yeah, it was like a, clearly a cow name. Yeah, and then he's like Betsy, and then you're. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And like I don't know if he just has the sound effect or if he actually has a cow. Yeah. I hope he actually has a cow. Because like, where would he put the uh, a cow? Like, a, well, a... Simon dropped dead, so you can put him in the attic. That's oh true. my god! Yeah. Oh, that's dark. Yeah. Oh, wow! Wow! All yeah. Jeffs are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh! Man. Uh, um, so Fraser brings Pressy in and very yeah. soonly after discovers that he's sick and that yeah he, he re- finally reveals like in the Merchant Marines he was surrounded by asbestos yeah and like he's just like is dying of asbestos poisoning yeah mm-hmm. he's got he, like he might be entitled to financial compensation I've heard <laughs> <laughs> if you or a loved one has been affected by mesothelioma yeah, yeah. he might be entitled, entitled to and yeah. he does actually get disability from the government. Yeah. Um, and he, that's how he pays his rent because he starts living in the upstairs room. Yeah. But he has a whole like Mark Ruffalo style. They knew. Uh, yeah. Moment <laughs> where it's like the government knew about this and they did nothing for these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I do like that this movie continues to have this metatextual element to it. Of, yeah. In addition to just being about like this guy and this arc that the characters go through, it is this larger way about how the government has failed the people at the lowest rungs of society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it never forgets that. Like it doesn't just pay lip service to it. It puts the work in and sprinkles that idea throughout the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although there is <sighs> he also kind of though like his character, there was 
like he wasn't giving his name to mm. anybody in the like sort yeah. of government social security or anything to take any sort of handout from yeah. which was interesting to he me he drops his pride about it eventually yeah like i think he was so disgruntled being in the military yeah. and what they had done to him that's why he didn't want anything from them yeah but all, at the same time he like clearly loves the constitution yes and the founding fathers and he sees the benefits of what at the time you know the american dream is or yeah. could be and he just chose not to to engage because maybe because he was so angry um but when he lets go of that anger he you know he'll take the money and, and live with these people that show him love. kindness yeah i think yeah. i think true love like him and fraser have like a, a deep love for the, each other um especially at the end of the movie and whenever he confesses that he left his uh family i think that yeah. was him really opening up because he fraser had asked him earlier and he said it was none of his business but i think that was him opening up and saying you know i trust you enough and i i love you enough to just be honest and tell you this awful thing that i know you're gonna really hate because your father left you yeah because fraser said that to pesci earlier quite earlier in the movie mm -hmm. like that yeah like his dad left when he was very young and his mom was prematurely yeah was working or something like that yeah or he had a great mother is what he yeah. said but yeah. you know his dad uh left them and got married to somebody else and had another kid yeah. mm -hmm. and the only time that he had had any contact with his dad is when he got into harvard his dad said congratulations yeah, sorry yeah. i can't help yeah but i mean it goes to show like and i think that was the I think the the most profound or the the biggest message that I think that this story tried to 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 say was like this guy fucked up everything he had with his family, you know, because of his own inadequacies, his own fears, his own. That's he he even called yeah. himself he was a quitter, you know. Yeah, he says you're a loser, but I'm a quitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, and then it's the same with Brendan Fraser, like. He, his family let him down but and even when joe pesci goes to see his son like you know it's he just wanted to see him yeah but at the end it wasn't about him and his son i think that was already that was gone that yeah. was that he he had realized what he had done and his son was in you know yeah wherever and he it, what really comes around is like the family that you choose yes. can be almost more important. Um, and that's where that love between those yeah, two comes from. Yeah. yeah. And that, I do want to talk about, because like, you know, he's dying and the, he says the one, one thing he wants to do is go see his son. Mm -hmm. And I love the scene between him and his son. Yeah. I like how it, there's like, there's no reconciliation that goes on. There's yeah. no like grand, like, I love you, son. I love you. I like that. It's hard. It's real. Like, Mm -hmm. Pesci like his son comes out and he's like I'll I'll talk to him for a minute mm -hmm. and he comes out and he's like I'm your dad and the guy's like sure yeah great um, um and, and his daughter comes out it's like who's yeah. that and it's like that's like, nobody it's nobody yeah. I like I like that there's no emotion in it for either of them I mean Pesci has some emotion in it yeah and just but it's 
it's about the closure provides all the characters in that moment, even if it's not like some grand. Pesci just gets to know his son's okay and he has a granddaughter. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. son finally never has to wonder what happened to my dad anymore. The, like it's the sense of closure, even if it's not like cathartic. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think. It, I mean, obviously, really important, but I think it it just all came down to relationships. And, yeah. And we had to you close know, you, the book on that one. Well, and you had to be honest about it. You yeah. had to be like, okay, well, this guy really wasn't in his son's life, and he, you know, fucked up. And luckily, the kid turned out well. Yeah. And. The same to be said about Brendan Fraser's character. You know, he turned out well, relatively speaking. And I mean, after that scene, then when the car scene, when he like tried to get out of the car and Brendan Fraser is like the dog. Yeah. Because he's like, was there a story that he said earlier? Yeah, Pesci told a story about when he had a dog as a kid and it like, it got old and it was dying and it just went out into the woods and it laid down. Mm -hmm. And if you tried to move it, it would bark at you and it just died there. It chose to die in that spot alone. And, and, and and that scene, I almost broke at that scene because literally they're in the car coming back from Pesci's scene, his son. And then as he's in the car, he's like, stop the car, stop the car. Everyone's like, what's going on? It's like, you got to take a leak or something. And he gets out of the car, walks away and Fraser remembers like, he's not a dog and then he goes out and like yeah. gets him back in and he's yeah. like you're not a dog it's like get back he was just gonna go die in the woods yeah, yeah. it was himself. wow and so they bring him home and he says no hospitals i want to die with my friends my family yeah yeah and they read him walt whitman mm-hmm. the, um, even the if same it is the poem like, she's like oh my god just let me die already i'm tired yeah. of getting this poem yeah that's probably like what killed Which, him i get that i get the complaint I still thought it was a little cute. But, I mean, yeah. no, it was. Yeah. It was, but I think it would have still worked. If you they know, just it, faded into a different yeah, poem. Yeah, but yeah, but like, yeah. I think that, you know, it was a very 90s decision. Like, yeah. it was like, it was this sort of romanticism of... They like, didn't think two steps ahead of what that implied. Yeah, I think <laughs> nowadays, like, audiences want this sort of realism, and they pick up on, like, on little things kind of like that. Yeah. And like even like when you watch a show and like you there's they're supposed to be gritty cops and you say they have perfect like makeup and stuff, you're just like, okay. Yeah. Um uh but like so audiences are more aware of stuff like that. Whereas back then, I think especially in that era, it was like there's always some sort of romanticism in 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 sort of telling the story. Yeah. And so that was like that romanticism where they were like each reading him these story these poems but they're like let's just have it so they're finishing each other's sentences but if you think about it you're just like all right that's kind of dumb yeah yeah but um <laughs> and uh fraser and um what's the girl's name again more kelly more kelly uh they hit it up yeah yeah and they start their thing mm-hmm. um and then it was like a night when they're like in bed together they hear like a stumble and they go outside and they see um they see pesci like on the ground yeah mm-hmm. and or maybe this is like backed up a little bit yeah i think, I think that's, we i, I think we skipped to be the only reason why i got to that be was because there was a whole thing where he leaves to see his son that that was the due date of his paper mm-hmm. yeah and everyone was asking it's like did he finish it it's like he finished it. it's like but he knows he's got to turn it in today right this is all coming from Jeff, the mm-hmm. asshole. He says he still has um, to do the bibliography. Yeah. Right. And he's like, so is he just not going to finish it? It's like, I guess not. And then he just leaves. Yeah. 
And so he, um, Simon does pass away that night. Yeah, he does pass away he that passes night away. when they read the Walt Whitman Yeah, poem. when they read the Walt Whitman. Yeah. And then the next day, and then we essentially cut right to his funeral. Yeah. I mean, they all cry over it and go to his funeral. And I think Fraser does a really nice job with this scene. Uh, yeah. Because he reads his obituary because he knew that he wanted to be remembered for something. Mm-hmm. And reads like, you know, he... I forget the exact things he mentions, but he's like, he was in the Merchant Marines. He he interrupted a lecture at Harvard. He lived this full life. He did all these things. And then he talked about his friends. Yeah, he'll be survived by his friends. Yeah. Yeah. His family. His family. Uh And then he lists all four of them and and something that they're accomplished for. Mm -hmm. And it's a really nice ending for that character. Um, You know, that these... He, like, in his final year of his life, he, you know, was able to find the family he'd been searching for his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, the family that he was running from his whole yes. life. He was a very afraid, I think. To be loved and to he, accept love. I think he was afraid of failing. Yeah. Like, to be a parent, I think, yeah. is terrifying. I think just choosing, just having any yeah. relationship with any person, like... Uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, husband, wife, uh, just those relationships are difficult. And you're not just making decisions for yourself, but you're also, you know, making decisions for these, this person you, you yeah. love. But at least that, those people can, I think, just leave if mm-hmm. need be. And so, yes, there's pressure, but like once she got pregnant, I think the pressure of fatherhood it just it, it's it was too much for him it, i think so and i think that he realized um what he missed out on yeah. I, I think he always knew i think well, yeah. you know there's a lot uh, i think only pesci would know because he's probably doing all like he's thinking what he, his backstory is and doing certain things like but there's certain interpretations the end I, of the obituary is he lived he only has one regret in life yeah yeah and that was that he ran away from home yeah but he hasn't lived a life of no other regrets yeah yeah and so we cut to the scene where Fraser is back with his thesis yes. advisor. And he finishes the thesis, and, which is now about what the government does owe to its people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the professor who, you're right, Jeff, has changed a little bit throughout the yeah. course. You know, he's like, you know, you deliver this late or something. So I disagree with this, but I respect you for sticking with these convictions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it was late, so I cannot give you with... Can I give you with honors? So I cannot give you with honors. Yeah. yeah. But you can still graduate. Yeah. You don't get full credit. He says like, you can get like a C minus max or something. He didn't like even get like a cum laude. No, he just gets his name. Yeah. That's because they were read. Then we cut to the graduation ceremony where they're reading all of the people's names and like their accolades and all that stuff. And it's like, you know, Jeff Sweeney, mathematics, cum laude. Yeah. And it's like yeah. uh, Stuart Elmore, history, summa cum laude. Then it gets to Brennan Fraser, where it's like Montgomery. I don't remember what his last name was. Burns, yeah. right? Montgomery, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Montgomery Monty Kessler, Monty yeah. Kessler, Montgomery Kessler, uh, history, and that's it. And then it goes to the next name, and then he kind of smiles with that. He has like a, I think, like they linger on Fraser's face during that scene, and he's he's smiling at the end of that, and then they call for all right. Like welcome graduates of 1994 or something, and they all toss their ta- hats in the air. Yeah, tassels. Tassels, yeah. And um, 
pretty much i think that's is there a scene i'm missing or is that the oh, end that's... no the end the okay that frame that they stopped on yeah is such a terrible it's frame. so strange it's like why like who to was a... like you can't even see their faces like, like it's the 90s i knew they were gonna do a freeze frame but like people are like blurry mid move they're kissing but like you can only see their backs oh yeah, yeah i remember this that was like i was like Oh boy! Oh my God! Thank you, Siri. I was did so... it just type up the entire thing we just yeah. typed? Yes, basically. Okay. But I was just so curious. I was like, "Why? Why choose this one? Why choose this particular?" Like, I, you know, one thing with movies and stuff is like, you know, a lot of times accolades for like a really cool shot, and you know, there's somebody on set the other day was like talking about like how like you know, certain DPs or whoever were getting all these accolades for this incredible shot. And people will talk about these shots and, you know, I'll listen to a a podcast or I'll read an interview by some guy who's saying, oh, his, this DP did all this and these incredible shots. And then a lot of times it's the DP chooses the shot because if he moves the camera over here, you've got like, like a road when it's supposed to be, uh, like yeah, yeah. Field and, or some shit like you know that. there's a mall over here or like there's a lot that goes into necessity the, yeah necessity like you just have to shoot it yeah and make it work sometimes you know and um i feel like at the end that must have just it had to have been rushed yeah and they just couldn't get what they needed and they were just like well this movie we've got the deadline and we've got to do it so we just like there we go. That's yeah. it. That's There's a freeze frame. <laughs> that's it. It's a freeze frame. You know, you've got Patrick Dempsey. He's smiling. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, cool. That's all you need to see. And then Madonna starts singing. Yeah. Yeah. For the song I'll Remember that was nominated for um, uh, the Golden Globe and the Grammy, I believe. Really? This, it got a Grammy now? Yeah, this thing, it was nominated for the Golden Globes, Grammy, and MTV Movie Awards. Best, uh, best song for a movie. Dude. I uh, did not get nominated for the Oscar. It was considered a surprise that it didn't get nominated for the Oscar. Um, yeah, uh, it also was ranked as one of the nine, the ninth worst song by the New York Times. Apparently, um, oh, nice. whatever. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. Um, I, I started off this whole thing about talking about critics and how yeah. they. It, it's so funny, like especially now because there are so many. I mean. It, like they say, everyone's a critic. But everyone's like, a critic. You know, sometimes I even say, what is the perfect Rotten Tomatoes score? And mm-hmm. I say it's 50-50. But 50% like peop- of people hate it, and then the other 50% like really love, love it. it. It's not in the middle. Because that means that whoever made the movie had a specific audience in mind. Mm-hmm. And they got that audience, you know... M- that's not necessarily true. It could be like 25, 75. It doesn't really matter. As long as you're making a movie with, um, you know, any piece of art, you've yeah. always got an audience, you know. Yeah, and just making a movie for your audience. Yeah, I mean. You, and this movie found its audience with time, if not initially when it came out. Well, I think that everything, I think that, what is it called? The uh, Frasier Sance or the Brendan. The the phrase Fraser sounds or is it, I don't know what we're calling yeah, it. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know either. I think with him coming back into the people looking at him now and kind of going back over his filmography, yeah. I think 
people are seeing it with a whole new yeah ho- and hopefully this is one of the movies that people revisit yeah i just think that like critics were wrong on a lot of different yeah. stuff like obviously the mummy mm-hmm. i think that's got like a 40 percent or something on rotten tomatoes yeah and that's silly it's very that's, that's a good movie mm-hmm. it's a great movie it's yeah. a it's an old republic serial yeah it's such a good movie and i think people like when i read reviews they compared it to indiana jones which i get like the the color palette and he's like you know there's a lot of things like he's, he's in, in the mummy he's essentially positioned as the heir apparent to harrison ford yeah and we'll talk about that when we get to it and then we'll talk about it again when he's in a harrison ford movie extraordinary measures in 2010 yeah um but yeah you know fraser like i hope that this is one of those movies that people pop in on and they're like oh yeah, Maybe there is something going on there. Yeah, it's a good one. And like, if you if for nothing, I go look at Joe Pesci die. It's like, it's not a good death. Like, I don't know if you guys. Didn't <laughs> he know. does just drop dead. He it's just, fun. but like, it just even his face. It's like, and for him being so famous, like his, like him and Casino <laughs> and Godfather. I mean, those are just some brutal deaths, and they are you know difficult to watch. Even. Just like even in the Irishman, like, like he didn't die at the he end. He gets of it. pushed he, away, and then yeah. it says that he died. Yeah, but, but it's a kind of brutal watching him play that that extreme old age. But he was so quiet in that movie, yeah. which was so great. Like he's so good in that movie. It, it, it just he went in a whole different way, and mm. I really like that. I think he's the best part of the Irishman. He is the best performance. In yeah, that movie. although I do, I'm I'm fond of all three of those central performances. And Anna Paquin. Even if she's she only has one line in the movie, but she's it's, very good. Anyway, this movie, um, I just got to finish up the yeah, context yeah. here. This movie um, cannot find the budget anywhere online, but just for some post text. This movie comes out, and makes twenty million dollars. Okay, I'm presuming that's probably roughly what it cost. It doesn't look like a terribly yeah. expensive movie. Mm-hmm. Um, probably somewhere around the same as School Ties, mm-hmm. uh, but that puts it, you know, about breaking even, maybe. Um, for early '90s movie logic, mm-hmm. um, and we're like Ross had mentioned, it doesn't get great reviews. Um, it gets decent reviews from some of the big shots, like Roger Ebert thought it was okay. Um, and it was for it was number one at the box office for two weekends. Mm, so it did bad. it did kind of like even yeah. if it only made twenty million, it still like was number one. For, yeah, it came out in March, especially like back then. Being yeah. number one in the box office yeah. was a big that deal. meant something. Yeah, yeah. And so this movie does, like, it has a footprint. It doesn't just disappear. Um, I think it kind of disappeared with time. And yeah. um, hopefully, you know, it kind of reappears in some respects, along with a lot of Fraser movies, as he's being reevaluated now, mm-hmm. which is just very convenient for us yeah. that we picked Fraser to come up. Um, you guys are so lucky for Airheads yeah. next. <laughs> That's going to be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we actually recorded that like two weeks ago, but don't tell anyone. Oh, okay. We, yeah. We're doing these out of order right now. Dude, that's such a good movie. Yeah. I, I blew it. I blew up our spot. Yeah, yeah. you did blow yeah. up our spot. That, that's, I think that's with honors. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone have any final thoughts to share? Um, I would say just good, pleasant movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was. A low key charmer. A lo- uh, mm-hmm. That's that's exactly how I would phrase it, Jeff. A low key charmer. Yeah, I think it's a it's a nice movie to just like have some hot chocolate too. Yes, you know, yeah. snuggle up. Oh my god, this is a perfect hot chocolate movie. Yeah, you know, you it's it's. God, do I have hot chocolate? Yeah, you know. I'm gonna rewind the. Cl- I'm gonna get my DeLorean and go back to yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and make some hot chocolate for a while. It, it's it's totally that kind of movie and. 
I do think that there's something to be said for, you know, that movie. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think we've kind of hit on with honors pretty well and heat too. You know. And he yeah, and too. He too. Yeah. He too is a, and the Irishman yeah. and Twin Peaks. Yeah, Jeff, I think this might be our first ever two-hour episode for Fraser. For Fraser, did Encino Man not hit two? I maybe it did. I gotta check. I don't think it did. Oh, um, yeah. I think that's a an hour and forty-seven minutes. Okay, so this is our this is our first two for this Fraser. First two-hour episode for wow. Fraser. Wow, Who, that's a, that's an honor, man. That, that Who, is an honor. With honor. I don't think there's a better ending I could come up with for this episode. <laughs> we got to shut so it down. I'll just now. say thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Um, on with honors thank you ross so much for joining us today thanks for having me of course it was a pleasure and we hope to have you back sometime that'd be yeah. great this was a, this was actually a really good time i love this yeah. good this conversation awesome. uh, good. make sure to tune in next week for episode airheads um so exciting. and as always please remember to rate review subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on as a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at TravoltingPod. You can pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. You can email us any comments or questions, TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Stuart Hour 95. Uh, you can find, I actually do have an Instagram, forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, underscore Ross underscore Wood. Yeah. And as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for the graphic design on your phone and Michael Van Bodegum Smith for the theme music that is now taking you out. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks, and see you next time. Bye, Airheads! Mm-hmm.